0: Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch Newsletter titled, Zoonotic Disease Risks During Calving. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Lindsay Walker Mead, who's a veterinarian and also a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator based in Webster County. Thanks for joining me today. Thank
1: you for having me, Aaron.
0: Well, Lindsay, let's start out and talk about what a zoonotic disease is. I think we don't see that term, I guess, thrown around a lot. And help us understand what a zoonotic disease is and how it might be different from another classification of a disease.
1: Sure. So uh, I guess just the basic general definition of a zoonotic disease would be any sort of pathogen, so any sort of bug or germ that can spread from animals to humans. And actually, it technically could be something classified as going from humans to animals too. So, um, anytime that there's a risk of some sort of sickness that that an animal might have, it would be that the people could actually pick it up too and get sick as well.
0: So, let's think about how that relates specifically to cattle. And in our article, you focused on calves. What are diseases that calves can carry that can be transmitted to humans?
1: The list of zoonotic diseases is pretty, you know, not not to sound scary, but there are quite a few that are on that list. I think you can do uh, just a good internet search and find. several options to to have some, um, you know, what would be on that list. The CDC would be one to look at. But for this article specifically, and for this time of year, I focused on four types of zoonotic diseases that happen when you're dealing with baby calves. So originally when I wrote this, you know, we were in that late winter calving season starting out. um, But you people are still calving now obviously we have some may calvers june calvers um but also just when we're processing calves branding time anytime we are obviously around cattle so the four that i focused on on this article um mainly are well two three of them would be for uh, gastrointestinal so D- gi issues diarrhea issues that's cryptosporosis salmonella and e coli And then I have to put rabies in there. And so we can kind of touch base on all four of those. Before we go dive into them, there was in the article, I did, I did put a couple of statistics that I find off of the CDC um, source. And like one of them was that there were 59 zoonotic outbreaks in 2017, just from across the United States, but that led to 1500 illnesses and actually three deaths and human deaths. So it's, you know, it's not something that we're going to see every day, but it's definitely something that we need to keep in mind, um, that, that there is potential. So we'll just get started, um, on the first one that, that I wrote about. So that would be the cryptosporosis, And this one, I would have to say that, um, especially as a veterinarian, uh, you know, I, I have heard the stories, um, maybe, maybe you have too, Aaron of someone that has gotten this, but it's, it's fairly common. So, um, Cryptosporosis or crypto. So if you just, that's probably more commonly heard. It causes really, really bad diarrhea in calves. It also does the same thing in people. So it, the the clinical symptoms look very, very much the same. It was the most common zoonotic disease outbreak in that 2017 statistic that I talked about from the CDC. 41% of the zoonotic cases were from crypto. It's just a little parasite, um, just a tiny little parasite that lives in the environment for several months. So sometimes this is a repeat issue with calves or herds if you've had a problem in the past. The animal, like the calf, will pick it up, they'll they'll eat it, and then that parasite will do its whole life cycle in the intestines, and then they'll shed out more of the parasite in their feces. So that's obviously going to be the contaminating part that we need to worry about. These calves can be anywhere from one week up to four weeks, they may be a little older too, but usually they're the ones where their immune system is compromised. Um, they get really tired, really lethargic. They're, you know, the feces can be all different different colors. You could have bile, blood, um, mucus. So, you know, it's, it's not pretty, but the thing is, is remembering that that's shed in the feces. And then that's where the problem happens when we're handling them. And we just, you, know, you just don't have, you know, the 100% hygiene that you need to do to prevent that. So the zoonotic potential would happen if you ingest those parasites yourself. So from the fecal oral contamination, um, and that could be, you know, something as simple as chapstick. You know, maybe we don't think about that sort of thing, but if you are putting on chapstick or if you have chewing tobacco or something, you know, and you've been working some calves, it, it's it's very contagious. So so it could spread quickly and it can definitely make make you pretty sick. You know, I think every veterinarian probably has a story from vet school where somebody said it it went through their class, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it's not something that we want to take lightly. So just making sure that we're washing our hands and we're just being cautious when we're around those calves.
0: So the next topic you've talked about is salmonella or salmonellosis, And so just give us some perspective on that. That's one we hear about in the news frequently thinking about how that relates to cattle and humans, uh, walk through the process of how we can see that disease be transferred.
1: Yeah, so salmonella does get a pretty good, I mean, it's, you do hear that more often. Um, We typically, it's not limited to dairy calves, but it's probably more common in dairy calves, but this is a bacteria. So different from the cryptospirosis, which is a a parasite, this is a bacteria, um, causes that severe diarrhea. It can also cause what's called septicemia, but basically the bacteria can get into the bloodstream. um, So they can get really, really sick from this. Uh, The ages range all over the board in calves. So this can be really young calves all the way. There can even be adult shedders that have salmonella. So it's really hard to say for sure, uh, you know, pinpointing it at a certain age. But these calves get really sick with fever. They're really depressed. They can get those swollen joints, obviously diarrhea, but we may not see any of those clinical signs, so you're never, you know, you, you just need to be aware that you need to have that, that proper hygiene that I discussed earlier. Um, another CDC statistic that I had found that's written in the article was that there was dairy calves um, in 2018. It did lead to 56 human cases with 17 of them hospitalized so that there can be localized outbreaks. Sometimes you might hear of that more commonly um, if you are having like a contaminated food source and specifically raw or unpasteurized dairy products. So milk would be a common a common issue there. Um, but then another bacteria, too, that I discussed is E. coli. And this one, you know, we hear about E. coli, too, in meat and, and just assuming that that if, you know, making sure that you're cooking it and handling the raw meat properly, but In the calves, E. coli happens in really young baby calves. Um, It can usually with under the age of seven days, these newborn calves can be exposed to that bacteria just in their environment, like most all of these concerns. The infection will increase if having in a contaminated environment. So you'll see that really bloody diarrhea, really weak, um, depressed, and then it can be spread to people and you'll have the same issue with through the fecal oral contamination. So there was another statistic from the CDC in the 2017 um, that I talked about that there was maybe 20% of those diarrhoea disease outbreaks were caused by E. coli. So again, washing your hands after you're handling the live animals, it's it's just important to reiterate, you know, when you're handling raw raw meat, making sure that you're you're designating your cooking utensils and you're washing up well and, and cooking that to the proper temperature. So those are, those are three um, that we see a lot in those diarrhea calves.
0: So one of the things that jumps to mind for me, because I just, I think about ranching and I think about people taking kids along with them. It's a family affair. We work together. We enjoy doing that. That's part of the things we value about ranching the culture, but just be aware of your kids as well. Uh, Hey, let's go take care of this calf. Why don't you come along with me? Uh, They can get contaminated as well. So it's also thinking about the health and hygiene of Especially, I'd say the little people who are part of the ranch operation as well. Yeah,
1: definitely, and that's something I failed to mention when we started. But yes, the young are their immune system just isn't as um, you know developed as as adults. But also, I mean, anyone that has an um, immunocompromised condition, so um, you know, chronic illnesses, pregnancy, elderly—these are all things that that we need to be extra cautious about. And then, as you talk about, you know, going out in the field, yes, and going out and handling the animals, that's one thing. But also remembering that these pathogens and these bugs can come in on your clothing and your shoes. So definitely having a place when you do come back to the ranch um, where you can designate these are where dirty clothes go, these are where boots go. Having things like a boot wash or something to be able to try and sanitize those before you bring them into a living area is a really great idea to try and prevent. You know anything from happening that that we that we don't want to happen. So um, just being extra cautious about the 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 biosecurity, um, not only between when we we think about not wanting to pass it to other animals, but definitely protecting ourselves too.
0: One of the other diseases you mentioned, and I would not have it come to mind for me, is one we'd pick up from cattle. But I really found the data you shared to be interesting. Is rabies? Uh, share more about that disease and why it can be a risk from cattle. In terms of it being transmitted to humans,
1: yeah. So this is again, this isn't something that you think about immediately, but it's always on my mind. I, I think they do a really good job um, in our profession as a veterinarian through veterinary school to really, really focus on the fact that this is a fatal, this is a fatal viral condition. Um, but yet we can prevent it, and cattle they need to still be on your radar about about rabies, especially when we talk about um, you know, show calves or bucket calves, or if you have a dairy and you're you're raising some bottle babies. So cattle are super curious, and rabies is spread from a bite wound or from saliva from an infected animal. And infected animals are um, really common around our area. So mammals such as skunks, um, possums, uh, raccoons, those types of things. So if like calves are are curious and they're sniffing around and they get bit. By you know, a a positive skunk, then now that that animal, you know, has the potential to be infected. And if you're if this is a show calf that you're, you know, your eight year old is out handling every day, it's it's not going to be uncommon for you to, you know, get licked or get slobbered on and and that virus is passed through the saliva. So uh, there are some, you know, there are vaccines for all mammals and there are vaccines for cattle. And so you can talk to your veterinarian about if, you know, if you do have an animal that you're handling daily, um, that that you're around all the time, it's not a bad idea to vaccinate calves, you know, that you're handling constantly. In the veterinary world, when I talked to other veterinarians, I um, when I was writing this, I asked how many times have you seen a case? And almost everyone that I spoke to, probably 15 different veterinarians, they had all had a case at some point in their practice life. And I, I have, too, that, you know, whether it was a horse, um, but but there are cattle, too, that come through diagnostic labs that are positive for rabies. So we want to make sure that we do everything we can to prevent that. And if it is an animal that you're going to be around, um, you know, often, so horses we vaccinate for rabies, it's not a bad idea to vaccinate cattle for that, too. Just remembering that it is a virus that is, um, you know, it's deadly. It's spread through bite wounds um, from from infected other animals, mammals, that they can, they can have that. The other, the other thing that I had talked about in this article that I think is important to understand is that cattle would be considered exposed. So if, if you have an exposure, something that, you know, if there was a positive somewhere around them, if a cow is nursing a calf that was positive for rabies, so you had the calf calf died you had it tested and it was positive then that cow also would be considered positive for rabies and vice versa so if you have a cow that died of rabies um and you and you confirm that it was positive the calf that was nursing on it would also be considered positive so again it's just the passing of those when they're nursing there's the potential for the infection to pass through so keeping that in mind um you know i it's, again, it's a rare case, but it is something to consider and to think about. And always, if you have any questions, you know, talk to your veterinarian. the The symptoms of of rabies in animals is really all over the board. It's not just the frothing at the mouth, really angry cow. So you can also have a, a paralytic version where they just maybe they they don't get up if you have a down cow or they're just not acting right, Those types of things. but if, if you have any questions, you make sure you contact your veterinarian.
0: Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today?
1: Um, so the the only other thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, I a lot of the the statistics that I uh, discussed, they're coming from that CDC website. So the Center for Disease Control is a is a good resource for all zoonotic diseases. There is also a tab. If you go to the website there, there is a an area called One Health, and One Health isn't anything new, but it is basically, a collaborative effort working between human health and animal health uh, and how those diseases can pass back and forth. So obviously, as a veterinarian, we work a lot in the One Health sector. Go to that. If you have any, if you're ever needing some information, that's a great resource. And they also have once a month webinars called um, ZOOHoo Calls. They're free to, to listen to. Um, They have different topics, usually three or four different topics that are going on. And some of those, um, you know, they're really interesting just to kind of hear what's going on currently in the United States to kind of be aware of any sort of zoonotic potential. And then just to kind of educate yourself on what is out there and how you can protect yourself and your loved ones.
0: Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Well, for more on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article we discussed today, Zoonotic Disease Risks During Calving Season.